Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Motoshami for a very special episode to talk about new home sales, inflation data, whether we can avoid a recession, and of course, the Fed. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Merry Christmas. I am the gangster rapper live today talking about economics. So we are ready to go. Sarah Wheeler. Listen, you are giving a show to those who are tuning in live. You are making me look underdressed. I thought I had this great uh, llama Christmas sweater, but next to all of this, you know, it just pales in comparison. Don't ever think you could step up to this. (laughs) This is Griswold family. This is a real American family right here. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, we have so much to talk about today. Yes, it's our Christmas special, but first off, new home sales. New home sales and... You know, when you look at the headline number and how it's been for the last uh, few months, it's gone nowhere. It's basically just hovering around. Now, we have to realize uh, census data, how they track new home sales can be funky, especially if there's a high level of cancellation. So what occurs is that those cancellations that are occurring now don't actually come up into the headline number. But even if I adjust uh, to the cancellation rates, assuming that they're all gone and th- th- those people don't adjust and, and, and buy a home or they can't sell that product. We're just hovering around here. And I think this goes into a larger story with housing. We never, ever had a FOMO credit market housing cycle here. That was a marketing material that everyone kind of latched on and thought they were the cool kids and said, let's go FOMO. No. GameStop stock, yes. AMC stock, yes. Those companies, yes. The FOMO blew up, crashed down. Housing, on the other hand, purchase application data had one year of growth, 2020 to 2021. Even if I make some COVID-19 adjustments, nothing like we saw in 2002 to 2005, which had four years of massive sales and credit growth. So new home sales back then at the peak of 2005 got like 1.4 million. And it collapsed all the way down to a little bit above 200,000. Here, we're just hovering around because we're already at very low levels of sales. And the builders are just trying to manage uh, this massive increase in mortgage rates within one year. And I would say it's sloppy in the sense that the US looks like a third world country, like, you know, where, you know, when the dollar gets strong and countries' rates go up and down like crazy, you know. So the business model. Uh, for the builders is really hectic right now because you know you can't go for rates from three to six percent, six to five percent, five to seven and a half percent, seven and a half to six percent. You know, it's too wild for them while they still have um, a couple hundred thousand homes that are either under construction or haven't started yet. But you know, I, I was wondering about that. Is are we stuck because this is like older data? Are we not getting the most you know complete data right now? No, I, I would say it's current in a sense. We know that the builders have a very big backlog. Um, and it's just that you can't sell the home until it's ready. So here's all these cancellations coming. So you got to remember, you qualify for a home when you sign that contract. If it takes forever, and talk about the worst time ever for having homes take forever, one time where rates go from 2.5% to almost 7.5%. So uh, it, it's an unfortunate reality, but that's what's occurring. So the builders are just trying to manage this uh, a, a, as best as they could. But one of the things I'd like to uh, talk about for this week is that for the first time 
in a very long time. The builder's confidence looking out six months went positive. Even though the home builder's confidence index fell, they said, whoa, rates fell from seven, seven and a half really to 6%. And of course, everyone's buying down rates to try to get it. If mortgage rates could just move toward 5%, we don't need the 3% or the housing, just some kind of median where the Federal Reserve doesn't freak out. And boy, we're going to freak out about the Fed right now. Um, something like that can facilitate more sales and then the builders could get rid of their backlog and people could buy a home and live in and everybody could just start living their lives. But as of right now, it's still very hectic. That, that positive, uh, that optimism from the builders is huge. And it's one of the positive trends you're seeing on forward looking data that we got this week. Tell us more about those. Yes, again, purchase application data, seventh straight week of positive trend growth, right? Even though the week-to-week data was declined 0.1%, the year-over-year decline is getting less. Now, this is just working from a waterfall dive, and we're just bouncing off there. But what what has occurred both time when rates fell 1%, we saw a little bit uh, uh, better data from the purchase application side. This one has a little bit more duration right? And on paper, you just saw the existing home sales market, just uh, sales collapse near COVID-19 levels. But the forward-looking indicator data looks better now. And traditionally, when the housing market turns both negative and positive, that forward-looking purchase application data will lead you there. Uh, So if rates can fall, duration, right? You need you need rates to fall and stay low for a while. Not what we saw, you know, early in this year where we had six and a quarter to five percent and five to seven and a half percent. That's that's not going to work out well for anyone. If rates can fall. You can find some stabilization in the data. That's what you want to see. Some stabilization in the data, stop the bleeding, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, well, let's let you live up to this uh, gangster persona you have going on today and talk about what you really want to talk about, which is who spiked the Fed's eggnog before that? Absolutely. We need a federal investigation onto who spiked the Federal Reserve's eggnog before that last uh, uh, Fed meeting, because the uh, PCE, Personal Consumer Expenditures uh, Inflation Data, came out, and it's down again. And the Fed really revolves around that uh, data line. So what what was really confusing in the last Fed presser is that it's like they completely ignored some of the inflation data already falling, and somebody was on some really good stuff saying that the Fed funds rate could get to 5.5%. I just want to remind everyone that James Bullard was talking about 7% Fed funds rate when now the PCE data, month to month, if you analyze analyze it for 12 months, boy, it's going to be under 3% next year. And that's big, my big talking point from now is that 12 months from now, if everything goes right, inflation data should uh, um, look much better. Now, this means you cannot be an old, slow turtle. Right. If all of us here, data miners, are looking at this data, we're like, "Wow, boy, things are changing." And you're like, seven percent Fed funds rate, five and a no, old and slow. We do not want old and slow people anymore." Right. Go with the data. So hopefully, the next Fed meetings, no more spiked eggnog. Okay, no more. Oh, by the way, if 1.6 million people lose their jobs, it's not a recession because trend growth is low. No, get off of that. That's listen. This is not 1975. Okay, this is 2022 going into 2023. You have to adjust. And the reason I say that is back in 75 and 1979, 80s, shelter inflation had these huge spikes, 
right? Shelter inflation then had a huge spike going into 1980. That's a big driver of inflation. It's not happening. The current data has changed. And I think uh, to the Fed's credit, they created their own model to say, oh my God, we don't want to be old and slow. So here. So they're talking about uh, inflation now taking away rent inflation because it's cooling down, which means you're not going to get that you know late 70s spike anymore. So you should kind of just land the plane. Uh, but the uh, PCE data, which the Fed drives are 2%, a little bit above 4.7% on a year-over-year basis, heading lower, especially the three-month data. Uh, that should be enough for them to change their language in the next Fed meeting. Okay, that wouldn't be considered a pivot, but that's good enough to get us there. And hopefully, no more drunk Fed people at the pressers anymore. That was just, oh man, that last presser was not good. Well, you know, I mean, you say old and slow, but it could be just very strategic. I mean, those are their talking points and they're doing those talking points for a reason. They want to further cool inflation. They want to tell the market something, right? Yes. And this, again, this goes to the original talking point I had for the last few months. I believe the Fed is trying to talk as tough as possible to get to the Fed funds rate to a certain level, which we're almost done. I mean, we should be done. We should be done already. Okay? There should be no more rate hikes anymore. After, after all the data we've seen, there shouldn't be. And then just let it stick. And if the economy gets worse, so again, I say the Fed pivots when the job market turns, right? That's 323,000 on the four-week moving average of jobless claims. We're not there yet. But if that happens, they should turn. Or they're not doing their Fed's job as a dual mandate anymore because the growth rate of inflation is falling. This is why a lot of people are talking about you, you don't need people to lose their jobs for inflation, but we have enough data to see this. Let the supply side come in, right? Let it work itself out. Remember, the best way to deal with inflation always is adding more supply. If you're destroying demand, right, that means you're too late and that also hurts production going out in the future. So they have to manage this because I, this is no longer acceptable. We're going to kill the economy of jobs. All good. No, right? If you don't want to, if you don't want this job, resign, get into your nice pension and go. There are a lot of young people that want to take over the jobs of the baby boomers because we think it's our time, like the goodies, it's our time to take control. It's time for the baby boomers to go away, right? Go on some cruise, enjoy your life. Let Gen X and millennials then take over and do whatever you need to do and watch your gold commercials and talk about your one gold coin that you own. But outside of that, ease up a little bit now. you got enough data to start changing these, uh, some of the language. You know, especially when you think about, you know, so last March you wrote an article and it was the first time you called the um, housing market savagely unhealthy. And so we went from, yeah, it's unhealthy to savagely unhealthy because of the um, home prices and bidding wars and all of that. But in its own way, the housing market now, because, uh, you know, the Fed, the Fed's actions have put it into a recession. It's unhealthy in its own way now. I mean, this isn't this isn't the goal for the housing market. You know, it's this is an interesting dynamic. and The Fed should actually start to uh, categorize when does the housing reset change for them? Now, for me, it's always been simple. I will defend the Federal Reserve's housing reset on a bus tour in every city and get food thrown at me all the time. I, I am, you know, as, as somebody who said, you know, we need higher rates. That was in February of this year. That's even before March. Um, the days on market was too low. What happens is when total inventory, and if anybody says there's 15 million active listings, whatever, just, but when total inventory got to a certain level, we forced people to bid. Even though demand wasn't booming, 
right? You don't want that kind of action. So the days on market were teenagers. Nothing good happens when days on market is a teenager. But now, like the last report says, we're back up to 24 days. That's good. We're not back over 30. 30 days and plus higher normal market. 2019 inventory, all my low inventory discussions go out the door as soon as total active listings get back to 2019. So the Boise market, the Phoenix market, any area of the US that has 2019, perfectly fine. There's enough inventory there. The sellers lose their uh, power there. So the Federal Reserve, they could just guide people. Okay, we think days on market should do it because that's that's how I'm doing it. So this is why some of these recent reports of the existing home sales, I'm like, I'm happy, right? Days on market are growing. We got to get back to a normal market because the housing market will be here for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. All after the baby boomers dies, they're still going to be there. So we just got to get some kind of functioning housing market and we're working our way there. That is the boring and balanced, the B&B market I've talked about in some of my articles. That's what we want. We're getting there. So you don't have to be destroy, destroy, restrict, destroy the economy. Jobs need to be lost. If jobs are lost, it's not a recession. If growth is, no, all right? You don't need to do that anymore. This is not 1975. It's not 1979. The bond market is even telling you that. Land the plane. Land the plane. So tell us what the bond market is doing. Um, so we are recording this on the 23rd. This will go live on the 26th. So, you know, it's a, but on this Friday, where are we with the bond market mortgage rates? Bond yields have risen up in the last few weeks, especially after uh, Japan, uh, uh, you know, raised their uh, um, target levels of, of where their, uh, where their Fed funds should be. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say with the 10 year yield is going out 12 months, right? If it is inflation, right? If it is inflation that you need to slow down, right? bond yields should come down, the growth rate of inflation so down, more supply. We should do, I would take the US military and build as many multifamily homes just to drive down inflation. We're gonna have near 1 million uh, uh, rental units coming online next year. Now there's over 144 million uh, total housing units. So in that in that context, it's not that much, especially after all some of those homes that have to be destroyed each year. But anything to increase supply will bring that growth rate inflation because we don't have the inflationary problems of 75 and 79 and, and 80. So they're talking about, you know, the worst thing that could happen is if inflation is entrenched and there's no breaking out. Oh my God, people making more money buying stuff and having a, a, a better life. How horrible is that? Oh my, that's, we can't have that, right? So whenever, whenever the, anybody says the Fed is economically racist, right? It's that, that when wage growth happens in the bottom, stop, stop it. No, that can't happen, right? It can't happen. So hopefully this supply uh, data starts to get better. The growth rate of inflation falls and that PCE data is going to be so critical the next 12 months because we're taking it as it is right now. Boy, it looks 12 months from now, that could be uh, uh, under 3% if that trend goes. So it's all about getting the supply out there because we're not this, you know, even though the census data has shown actually population growth picked up uh, this year, uh, we're not this young, booming economy that has a lack of cities built or anything in that. We're, we're, we're an older, mature economy. So we don't have to worry about that kind of inflation. And the savings rate, even though the personal savings rate is below COVID-19 levels, there's still an excess amount of savings and depository in accounts. That's going to wind itself down. So we don't, we've already done the aggressive work, take the victory. You want to retire and go on a cruise, go ahead. Federal Reserve members, let younger people come in and 
land the plane, right? That's what we want, land the plane. Where do you expect job numbers to end the year at? Uh, positive. I mean, jobless claims are still positive. Job openings are still high. Uh, I know there's this talk about the Philly Fed says 1 million. Just remember, jobless claims data is your number one economic data line right now. The headline initial claims data is, is still very low historically. Uh, the continuing claims data has been rising all year. It's kind of stabilized right here. Uh, we still have over 10 million job openings. And and I I, def, I defend the Fed on that. I mean, I have to defend the Fed. I was the one person in planet Earth saying job openings is going to get to 10 million. By the way, the baby boomers are leaving the workforce. So if you take the trend of civilian workforce, labor, you rise that up there. Oh, we're going to get that gap right about now. That looks right. But if the Fed's going to wait till jobless claims break, they have to acknowledge that, yes, we, as it, all of us unelected officials, we put you in a job loss recession because it made our job easier. The problem I had with Jay Powell is he was trying to like say, no, if people lose their jobs, it's not a recession. Leading economic index came out this week. It had a big collapse, right? Um, leading economic index is from the conference board. The conference board gives its information to the Federal Reserve and all governments around the world, uh, Wall Street, everything. Uh, that's the institution I was uh, allowed to go speak on July 27th this year. And I said, hey, I'm raising my sixth recession red flag. Uh, even though your leading economic index that you provide, it's only shown a slight decline. If you look at the components, all these things are going to go down six months from now. You know, So by December, right on cue, right? The data line crossed the key level right there. And historically, going back to 1960, whenever it falls this much, a recession is here. So we're getting to a point to where <sighs> Fed needs to just ease, just stop wrecking rates. Keep in mind, keep in mind open. We want people employed and working, right? Because when a job loss recession happens, those families are stressed out. And and the, the big recovery that we had in this uh, COVID-19 was labor, right? We got labor back. And that's a good thing, right? It wasn't like the great financial recession where it took many, many years to get the labor market. We recovered, hold the gains, right? You know, uh, you don't have to be too aggressive right now and, and do a better job at the presser and get the eggnog out. Five and a half percent Fed funds rate. Wow. And somebody put a muzzle on Bullard. Seven percent Fed funds rate. No, come on, right? That is being not the detective, but the troll. Okay, so one of the things that um, you wrote earlier, so you know, housing's been in a recession since the summer, and you raised your sixth red flag flag for the overall economic recession, right? For everything, not just housing, um, in the summer as well. But then, I, I think about a month ago now, you said, "Here's how we could still avoid a recession in the in the larger economy." Where are we? Yes, and, and it's know, funny where are we on those indicators? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. The most bearish American citizens are all anti-central bank people. They hate everything. So they were actually somewhat, they hated the today's inflationary data, you know, and you can know this when they start tweeting, oh, it's not happening. It's not, I mean, think about the pain that some of these people, is there a possible way to stop a recession? I mean, their happiness comes through darkness, right? This is why they're typically always bearish and they have stupid Twitter names and they call us Rome for God's sakes. Let me tell you guys something. When you're in a grown ass adult, you don't say the United States of America's Rome. That is a stupid Dungeons and Dragons six-year-old thing to say, right? We had a plague. We got over it, right? We don't have the Huns or the Visigoths as our neighbors. We have Canada and Mexico, okay? We're not going to get invaded by any time with horses and spears. Get over yourself, right? We're not Rome. 
Um, so two things need to happen because historically when we're at this level, post-1960, we typically get into recession. But if the growth rate of inflation, if mortgage rates and bond yields, the sectors that are impacted the most, housing, will get better, right? And all the podcast stock traders that are using housing as the business cycle, if that reverses, that at least levels the floor in terms of the downside of the economy, right? So, so what, what we saw is the growth rate of inflation fall in November, December, positive. Bond yields fell, right? Okay, mortgage rates fell. What happened? Mortgage rates fell seven straight weeks of positive purchase application. The builder's confidence index, which is collapsing, board looking. So there's a way, there's a pathway here. That, that's our job as data miners. Even as a gangster rapper right now, you know, Christmas tree has got to get all the uh, presents wrapped up. But there's a way to get there and there's a path, but it needs the growth rate of inflation falling rates. And so far, two positive months back to back. We get more of that. <sighs> We can we can actually officially say we we will shut down the apocalypse. What's your probability on that? Like, do you do you think in terms of like you know I think I, it's twenty percent or I mean how do you how do you say is it what is the possibility that we're going to avoid a recession? First of all, I've always hated percentages because you know why everybody uses the forty percent line because forty percent makes you seem I'm smart. Maybe it happens or maybe it doesn't happen. Okay, percentages or baseball innings are just. Listen, if I ever start doing that, all of you should block me, okay? I've become a baby boomer old person that just says 40%, 20%, 20%. What we have seen, though, and I'm staying consistent with what I've talked about the last few months, we are going to be in a different spot 12 months from now. I 100% believe that, right? Because I don't believe the U.S. is this, all of a sudden, the dynamics of the U.S. economy has changed where we're just a booming populated growth and we just don't have enough uh, goods and, uh, or supply to, to, to deal with this massive population. We're not, that, we're not that economy anymore, right? We're an old, mature economy. We have not been able to create really high levels of inflation from 2000 to 2019. If you look at the data, it's been very stable. What event messed up everything? COVID, right? Even Japan has inflation. Japan couldn't create inflation if their life depended on it, right? And that's a country that's 40% of their population is going to be dead by the end of the century. We get the supply data up. We work through all the grinds. The growth rate of inflation, 100% should fall down. The counter to this is that we don't get any increasing in supply and the demand, because the household balance sheets are so good, uh, uh, keeps inflationary levels high. But that's not the case, right? Because the biggest driver of inflation right now is already falling, right? Like it's really rare. And not a lot of people know this because I'm such a nerd. This is what happens. It's really rare post-World War II to have shelter inflation go negative. We're talking about rent. Why? Because most people are working, right? Because most people are working and getting paid, right? It's really hard to have these major deflationary shelter events. It only, We only had like one time in history that we had negative year. That was two, two, 2010. That was after the housing crash. Rental vacancies were high. But again, most people are always working. So that's why you, you rarely see that. But the growth rate can cool down because of this bullwhip effect of all, all data, every data. I mean, this has been another big talking point. How, how can we read economic data correctly when it has these really wild swings, when we're so used to a mature economy that has a very slow uh, economic tail? But the growth rate of inflation is falling. And the Fed has acknowledged that. They, create, they created their own new model, said, hey, we're going 
we're going to do a newer newer uh, uh, shelter inflation data line. Let it cool down over 12 months. We bring that down. That doesn't mean everything reverses and we have a sales are going to go straight up, but it can stop the bleeding, right? And then we could just take it from there and let the supply come back into the market. We get things back to normal right now because it's a very chaotic time just in, in, in not, not just U.S. history, but world history. And of course, the Russian invasion didn't help any of that, right? Uh, we saw the spike in wheat prices and in commodity prices, but get supply up, right? Drill, baby, drill, get oil supply up. I know we have to deal with OPEC, but but still, there, there's some of these things we could help. We can't do anything about the bird flu, so egg prices have skyrocketed this year. The Fed rate hikes is not going to do anything about that. If you think that, you're an egghead, right? Okay, so there's certain things that we have no control over, right? But the other things we can build, build, get supply up, growth rate of inflation falls, rates falling. The longest economic and job expansion in history would have still been continued if it wasn't for COVID, right? We shouldn't destroy this one as soon as possible just because baby boomers think they're back in 1975 when life was great for them, right? Okay. Learn to land a plane, learn to adjust, endure, right? You already got to the certain point, take the victory and just wait. But if the labor market turns, you turn with it. So I appreciate that you're talking about 12 months from now, it's going to be different. And I know as somebody who looks at economic data, you know, you're playing the long game. You look at, I mean, you had a, a model for 2020 to 2024 for like 10 years or more, right? So I get that. But if I'm in the housing industry, if I'm a real estate in real estate, if I'm in mortgage, appraisal, title, all of, all of the associated things, and I hear you say 12 months, we're going to be in a different place. That's great. What about two months? What about for the spring home buying season? I mean, I know you haven't released your forecast yet, but give us a October, little bit of a taste. Sarah Wheeler, October 27th, we wrote that article. We said the case for mortgage rates to fall. Okay. So of course, rates were 7%. Every People are eight to 10% mortgage rates. You know, inventory is going to skyrocket. What happened since October 27th, since we wrote that article, was the growth rate of inflation is falling. Rates have fallen one and a quarter percent from there. Purchase application have increased, right? So we've had we've had some of that already happen. So we've already got there, right? We've already had a change in the marketplace because rates have fallen. The things that we talked about, rates have fallen. Now, the Federal Reserve can, as soon as they stop hiking and you know, maybe even talk about cutting. The mortgage-backed security spreads, right? That in itself could bring mortgage rates 1% lower today. We're already going to be under 5.5% at that point, right? So the backdrop is there to happen. And it happened fast. I mean, we wrote that article October 27th. Boy, we're two weeks later, things are already getting better, right? So there isn't a dot that you put on X date. There is a trend, right? In that October 27th article, we talked about the trend should be better 12 months from now, guess what? It happened pretty early, and we've already seen some of the positive benefits from that. Um, again, the Federal Reserve should understand this and realize that you don't have to destroy the U.S. economy to get what you want. You don't have to have 1.6 million people lose their job, right? If they are, oh my God, if they can actually pull this off if they weren't old. There were younger people, then they go, yeah, we're cool. But I just, I'm so petrified of baby boomers because they're so stuck in the 1970s. This is not 1975. It's not 1970. We're not going to get a double inflationary shelter print. Move that growth rate fly. I mean, really, today's bottom, today the, the, the PCE should be very favorable for the uh, uh, bond market, mortgage market, but we were kind of late in the year. 
you keep going with that trend lower, bond yields should fall, mortgage rates should fall. The Fed says one sentence about, okay, we're, we're done hike, we're done cutting or raising rates. Next move will be cut mortgage-backed securities. Mortgage rates can be 5% very quickly. And that was the whole premise. It's not about getting rates to 4 to 3%. It's about getting toward 5%. And we got 1% near that level already before the year's out, right? And not a lot of people thought people were stuck on that 8 to 10% mortgage rates, inventory spiking thing. By the way, inventory is falling. By the way, inventory, the last four months has been falling for the NAR. And now since purchase application rise, it's crazy for me to say this, but we might possibly get total active listings, NAR number only under 1 million by January. We have two more reports. So we'll get that last one by February. So, you know, there's something that's workable there. And what we needed to see already started, right? And purchase application data is rising, rising for seven weeks. That means you people, you've got some people coming back into the marketplace, right? Uh, so uh, as long as that positive trend goes, it should go. And the only variable factor is Scrooge. Scrooge and the Grinch, right? The tag teams, the Federal Reserve members, right? They're the only ones right now that could possibly derail this because they're so afraid of inflation being entrenched and wage spirals and 1975 and 1979, though. Well, you know what? Uh, we are out of time, so we're going to end on that. And I'm going to take it as a an omen, as a good sign that you're wearing sunglasses on this podcast because the future is so bright, you have to wear shades. We're just going to end on that. This is the United States of America. We've been wearing sunglasses since 1790. And every single bearish American citizen and Russian troll out there since then, we buried them all. So I welcome, I welcome all the bearish Americans. Cycles come and go, but there's a group of people that are bearish every single day. We welcome you to be this way until you are dead, right? Because there's a whole graveyard since 1790. That's what it's been. We are the United States of America. You go down there, you tell the Redcoats we said hello. Because we'll find a way out there. We are the biggest economy in the world. We have good demographics. We have the reserve currency. We have the best military. We have friendly neighbors. We don't have the Huns, right? We don't have the Huns. We're not Rome, okay? We're not going to be invaded by Canada. Come on. Um, so there are things here that give us an advantage over other countries. And the demographics is number one. Because we are not Japan, right? We have a massive young replacement workforce, consumer workforce, millennials, Gen Z. Together combined or over the population of Japan today. Logan, thank you as always. Thanks for bringing all of your game on this podcast. You you bring it uh, not only with your economics, but with your attire. But really, thank you so much for all your insights this year. Looking forward to next year. Yes. And Merry Christmas, everyone. It's a very chilly 58 degrees here at Irvine. So just kind of troll me. everyone else. I see how that is. All right. Thanks, everybody. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.